Engage 2022 is SDI's first hybrid annual conference. This means it can be experienced in person in Santa Fe, as well as digitally through live apps and recordings. Engage 2022 is about deep listening and the lasting change it can create. It is about engaging with our shadow to find light, and it is about bridge building in the service of love fostering engagement. Keynote presenters include Dr. Cornell West, Valerie Kaur, Father Greg Boyle, and more. Register now for SDI's 2022 annual conference at sdicompanions.org. Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. With over 18 years of experience facilitating groups in spiritual direction, Dr. Roslyn Weiner brings a creative and practical approach to one of the key aspects of our contemplative calling. She is the author of SDI's newest book and resource for spiritual directors and spiritual companions, titled Seeking in the Company of Others, The Wisdom of Group Spiritual Direction. She explains her process of group spiritual direction and her motivations for writing the book in this interview with SDI Chief Operating Officer, Rory Brisky. Learn more about the book, as well as the companion three-part webinar on group spiritual direction starting soon at sdicompanions.org. Hello there, my name is Rory Brisky. I'm Chief Operating Officer at SDI, and I'd like to welcome you to our chat with Roslyn Weiner, the latest in a long line of distinguished writers for SDI Press. We're sincerely honored to have Ros as one of our authors. She brings a new, fresh voice into the mix. Roslyn is here today to talk about her book, Seeking in the Company of Others, The Wisdom of Group Spiritual Direction. Welcome, Rod. Hi. Nice to be here. Good to have you. So, Roz, what was lacking in the world that prompted you to write this book? What a good question. Um, two things, I think. One was um, another voice. Because there is only, or there was only until I wrote this book, a few voices of people who paid attention to the power and the um, the excitement that happens when a group of people are coming together to attend to their spirits. And second, there was only one approach that I was aware of of how to do it. And I had another idea. For the last 18 years, I've had another idea about how to do it. And I wanted to put my voice alongside the other voices that had been my teachers uh, and see what would happen. And probably most importantly, um, Jewish people, and I am one of them, have come to spiritual direction only in the last several decades, which doesn't mean that no Jewish person ever before the last several decades attended to their spirits, but thinking about spiritual direction in general, uh, as many people said to me in the early 2000s when I was beginning to do my work, you sure this is a Jewish thing to do? And 
I believe strongly that it is, and I wanted to write about that too. So in the, uh, I say, how exactly is group spiritual companionship different from one-on-one -on -one spiritual companionship, other than the obvious of that there's more people there? I need to modify the question a tiny bit, um, which is that there is a structure to group work, which is a little different than individual work, at least as, I, as how I do it and how I write about it. Um, when someone comes to see me individually, and I, I treasure that, I do a lot of that work too. Um, we sit together companionably, companionably, which is also true in, in group, but whatever is gonna be talked about, the topic, let's say, is entirely in the hands and in the spirit and in the heart of the seeker, the individual directee. With the group spiritual direction that I do, uh, there is certainly free opportunity for the seekers to, um, to say what they want to say, of course, or not speak if they don't want to. Silence is really important. But I do provide a structure. I bring material that people respond to. And people also have an opportunity to cultivate their listening ability. Because part of what is sacred about the group experience is how we listen. Mm -hmm. And then how we take what we've heard and give it back in the form of questions to the speaker, not for our own sake, but to help the seeker go, go, um, go deeper. Mm -hmm. oh, great, thank you. Welcome. And, uh, and you mentioned uh, the book's perspective uh, and your tradition is in the uh, Jewish tradition. So how is Jewish group spiritual direction different or similar to Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, or other faith traditions, group practices? Is, is there a difference? I can't speak at all about Buddhist or Hindu. I don't know. I, I simply don't know. And I, and I, I was raised in a household where we were always invited to use our words but we should have some data behind it. So I'm very careful. I wish I were Karen Armstrong, you know, because I respect oh, all that she has done, but I'm not. So I can only speak- um, The Christian tradition. Right, I can only speak about what I know. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is that I know how I do group spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. And again, I will not presume to say how other Jewish people do it. Um, so I know what I've read about the Christian way of doing it, and it's not everybody's, probably not every Christian's way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But in the work of Rosemary Doherty, Sister Rosemary Doherty in particular, um, one of the main differences, so I compare her work to my work, and that's in the book. Um, there is a, a, an understanding that each person will bring in a very direct way their spiritual journey to the attention of the group. I don't require that. It comes out, but it's not required. Okay. We also don't invest in, per, in, in making and asking for a commitment that people pray for each other. Now, that doesn't mean that Jewish people don't pray for each other. We have a beautiful prayer called the Mishaberach, where we ask for healing of body and spirit to those who we feel needed, and we hope it will come for them or come to them. And it doesn't mean that, that nobody has ever prayed 
in a group meeting, but we don't ask for that as an upfront commitment. Okay. Now, how is it the same? Uh, we ask for a commitment to be present. We ask for a commitment as the spirit moves one to share. We ask for a commitment to hold the space in sacred ways. Um, so the intention is the same, but the, the methodology, if you will, in a general sense, just respects how each tradition has viewed this work. Okay, great, thank you. Dr. Rosalind G. Weiner is a seasoned spiritual director and psychologist, rooted in listening for the sacred whispering within her soul and the souls of those who invite her to witness their seeking. She earned a PhD in psychology from Yale University and an STM degree from the School of Theology at Boston University. One of the things that was, was interesting when you talked about structure of the uh, group practices uh, you primarily talk about six key uh, activities. And do you, uh, I mean, what prompted you to focus on those six items? And is it the same six every time? That's the basic structure. And then, okay, if this particular group wants to do something a little di differently, you drop one of them out or add one, or the, the, what are those six core pieces? How'd they come about? I might have to take my table of contents out just to make sure I get to all six, but... <laughs> Here. Um, well, the first one is the check-in. People haven't seen each other in a month. Uh, we're not looking for chat, you know, for just casual chatting, and we're not looking for um, long biographies, but these are busy people, busy in the sense of being engaged in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they come into my living room once a month, and they've come from something, and they know they're going to something, usually. They're, they're, you know, and this is a moment in between. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought about how do we help them to settle in and be present? And over time, they develop connections to each other, but most of them don't see or have contact in the space between meetings. Hmm. So I, I devised a process um, called parking. And by parking, I mean um, taking some quiet and noticing whatever it is you notice in yourself, that if you gave it voice, you could be most fully present in the experience. Of being together. That could be something good. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a tragedy or a complexity, um, but just something that is so on your mind or on your heart or so full, you're so full of it, if you will, um, that if you say it in words, um, you can let it go a little bit. And so, and then if there's something good or not so good that has happened that you really want your fellow seekers to know about, this is an opportunity. We don't comment on it. We don't fix it. We don't repair it. We hold it. Um, there's a coffee table, actually a set of coffee tables in the living room where this happens. And so I say to people, so put it there. And if you need to, you can pick it up and take it home with you. But if you don't, you can leave it there. It'll, it'll, it'll dissipate after you've gone. So that's, that's the very first thing. Um, the second thing I do is, is offer a quote. Uh, a quote is something that, um, that I've read recently and sometimes not so recently. I keep a, an app on my computer for taking notes. But if I read something that feels to me that it might have spiritual resonance 
or it's interesting, or it speaks of prayer or God, but not necessarily if it speaks of, of trouble, if it speaks of joy. Um, I write it down and I pick one and I share it. And then that is, I call it the warm up. So we have the check in and then we have the warm up. And what people do is they hear me say it twice and then they sit quietly, companionably, and see what it is that comes up in them in order to, or in response to the quote. And when everybody's eyes are open, somebody starts and they say what that is. Um, I will in the next section tell you more about what happens after that because I don't want to repeat myself. The third section um, is a a particularly interesting one for me. Um, It is a modified form, and I want to show full respect to the originators of the form of Lectio Divina, divine reading. Um, in, in, in a Hebrew sense, we, we call it Kriyat HaKodesh, reading the, reading the holy. Uh, the purpose of that is to, again, give people an opportunity to notice what's going on inside. Um, you might think of it as a trigger, a stimulus, uh, but I use poetry for this primarily. It could be poetry as in the Psalms, uh, but it also could be poetry as in Mary Oliver or Yehuda Halevi or anyone else that I seem to have found um, over the course of the month. I select that, the the poetry, uh, and use that in the same way within the Christian tradition, there would be primarily scripture being offered at that point. Um, I don't do scripture except every once in a while. And the reason I don't is because most of the people who come to see me, and I hope it isn't always this way, but up to this point, are clergy. And the clergy, for the most part, know those texts. <laughs> they give sermons on those texts. And it's in their heads. And, and, and they're good. I mean, I'm sure I've heard many of these people speak. They're good sermons. They're thoughtful sermons. But I'm, I'm aiming for them to notice their innards, to notice their heart, to notice their still small voice. And I think poetry is evocative that way. Mm-hmm. So I began to experiment with it in 2003 when I started doing this work. And people responded to it as if I was giving them mana in the desert. Um, it's been very exciting for me. So they hear it. I read it twice. The instruction at that point is that they're to notice when I read um, what words in all that I've read. I don't, I don't do long, long poems, but they could go on for a couple stanzas. Um, but in particular words resonate with them. The image that I say is that if you were seeing this poem, what words would be bolded if you saw it on your computer screen? Hold on to those words. And when I finish the second time through, just say them. And people do. Then we go into quiet and the quiet lasts as long as people want it to last. And then they have an opportunity again to say what came up in them. And then it gets really interesting, particularly interesting, at least for me. And I think for them too, um, the instruction to the listeners. So we are all well, I don't speak, I facilitate, but they are all speakers and they are all listeners. The listener is to notice what came up in them. So we become directors to each other. What came up in them in response to what the speaker was saying, but then comes the really interesting part. The instruction is to edit out whatever came up in you that has to do with you. Not that it's not important, make a note. Uh, Think about it later or talk about it when it's your turn. But to the speaker, you can ask a question. And the goal of the question is to help the speaker go deeper. In the beginning of a new group, 
sometimes even for the first three, four, five months, I'm the only questioner. But then people catch on and they figure out how to do it. And it's very, it, it becomes them the, the beauty of group spiritual direction because it's not just my ears and my heart. It's everybody's ears and everybody's heart. Mm-hmm. The, the speaker who receives the question then has three choices. And I spend a lot of time in the book writing about this. They can say, wow, that makes me think, and then go right on talking. Or they can say, that's that's an important question. I want to make a note of it. I'm going to think about it more. I don't really say about it right now, but I'm going to think about it more. Or they can say, nope, thanks. I appreciate the question, but that's not where I was going. And that is a unique opportunity in terms of human behavior. Usually somebody asks us a question, you know, unless we're feeling obnoxious, we try to answer the question. But you don't have to. If it's not your question, it's not your question. And you don't have to defend it or justify it. But I'm always careful to teach that there's nothing wrong with the question. How can you know exactly where another person is going until they tell you that they're going? So it's it's experimentation, uh, it's reception, but it also is the right to claim or not. So that is, that's three. Number four, number four I added just a few years ago. Um, maybe five or six years ago at the prompting of one of the rabbis in one of my groups who said, you know, we never talk about prayer. How can we be doing this and never talk about prayer? So I thought about that for a while. And I thought, well, I don't want them to talk about what the rabbis meant when they put the prayer in our liturgy, you know, or what what the, the scholars of Christianity meant when they put something in the Christian liturgy, I want people to, to, to say who they are about that prayer at this moment in time. So what I do is I find a bit of liturgy. Um, I have a lot of prayer books, the different denominations. I look in them. Um, I also think where we are in the holiday cycle, where we are in the, just in the year, what's going on. And I pick something, but then I write a question about it. Mm. So for example, um, in a group I'm going to do tomorrow, I'm starting a new group tomorrow. I want to have a chance to tell you about that. It's very exciting. Um, I'm starting a new group tomorrow and I'm using a, a line from Psalm 32, but I'm not asking people to say what the Psalm is supposed to teach us. I'm asking them to consider how these two lines strike them. Is it something they could pray? Is it something that would have meaning? Uh, does it stir them in some way for good or for not so good? So I'm, it, I'm looking for a personal response. I'm looking to invite them into a personal response. Then number five is every month I write a couple questions. Um, that's where I'm most likely to use the word God in some form. What is your dance with God is one is one example. What is your present dance with God? Uh, and sometimes it has to do with where we are in the holiday cycle. Again, uh, ask a question about that. And number six is can be brief, it can be long, depending on people. And that is looking at our process from that day. Just a little feedback. Um, sometimes people aren't interested in that. You know, in other words, there's nothing particular that happens. sometimes there is a stuckness about something or a wish to change something. That's that opportunity to ask me to change something for the next meeting. Um, so those are the six parts. Excellent. Thank you so much. That was super helpful. I'm glad. And um, so I know it's written from a, uh, 
a Jewish perspective, but in, in going through the book, it seems like any tradition that's interested in group spiritual direction would hugely benefit from going through this and looking at the different uh, the pieces and, and, and your approach. So what are some of the key things you would hope readers do after they read your book? Well, it depends who the reader is. I have to say that. Um, if a person already knows how to do spiritual direction, what I hope is they'll get some coaching or supervision and test out the model for themselves and certainly modify it to fit the community they're going to, to be with. I, I tend to think for myself that I stand delicately, I don't want to crush anybody, on the shoulders of the people <laughs> who came before me doing this work. Uh, I had the privilege many years ago of attending a several day workshop that was facilitated by Sister Rosemary Doherty. That just, that just stands in my life, in my, in my life as, a, as a seminal moment in this. And in writing the book, I had the privilege of connecting literally by, by email and text with um, Reverend Marlene Korf, mm. uh, who wrote the last book that's been published by spirit, on spirit, group spiritual direction before this one. Um, I actually think I just mispronounced her name. It's K-R-O-P-F. Um, not Korf, Krof. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, I, I, we're, building on, we're building on something. So that's the first group. The first group are the people who already know how to do spiritual direction. The second group of people, I hope, are just people who are interested in their own spiritual journeys but can't imagine wanting to go one-on-one -on -one with somebody about it, but who might want to put together a group of friends and find a spiritual director who knows how to do group work. And in fact, I have one of those groups um, where, where people approach their spiritual leader, uh, people in the, call them people in the pews, uh, approach their spiritual leader and said, you know, we're, we've heard about this and we're kind of interested in it. Could you find someone who would help us do it? Mm -hmm. That group is entering their ninth year with me. Wow, they, that's great. You know, and they've grown as people, they could run their own groups at this point, I swear. <laughs> Um, but they keep coming back to me, for which I'm grateful because, because I love watching them grow and that's what they're doing. So that would be the second group, people who approach their spiritual leader. The third group would be spiritual leaders themselves, whether they are chaplains or congregational leaders, um, either the lay people who are making, you know, providing energy to support their, their institution, who hear about this and again, approach their spiritual leaders or the spiritual leaders themselves who may have so much already on their plates. They don't want to be trained to be spiritual directors, yeah. but they like to bring this into their communities. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, I know we're running out of time here. Uh, are there any uh, parting words for our uh, wonderful video watchers out there? Well, I, um, I invite your prayers and support uh, on two counts. One is that I don't, I have never seen myself as a writer, but it turned out I had something to say. And I hope people read that book in that way. I offer that book with humility, um, not because it's the most amazing book ever written, but because what I'm talking about is really important for people who want, especially in this COVID time, who want to make meaning, meaning for themselves and for the people 
who are important to them. I, I think there's some lessons in the book um, that are a bit more universal than even talking about spiritual direction. And the other is I invite people to hold good thoughts because tomorrow for the first time, I am convening a spiritual direction group made up of half Jewish people and half Christian people, all of whom will in all of whom will in time be seeking ordination. Wow, that's great. And it's it's a first. And I'm very excited about it. It's it's um, it's happening as of tomorrow, and people have committed already to the next seven months of meetings. So we'll see what happens. Super. Well, Roz, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your time. And to all you out there in internet video land, uh, a heartfelt thanks for sharing part of your day with us. We know everyone's busy and we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to learn a bit about Roz and, uh, and her latest book. And of course, a quick plug, uh, Roz's books available for sale in the SDI store. So grab your copy. This is Rory Brisky, going 10-7, signing off. Ciao. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.